Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone, and welcome to a History of Egypt podcast interview. My guest today is Fatma Keshk. Fatma Keshk is an Egyptologist, archaeologist, and researcher in Egyptian heritage. She earned her Bachelor of Arts at Cairo University in 2006, and is currently a PhD researcher at the Free University in Berlin, Germany. Fatma has worked as a field archaeologist in Saqqara, the Sinai Peninsula, Aswan, Lower Nubia, and the Western Delta. She has also worked for the Library of Alexandria, you know, that Library of Alexandria. Today, Fatma also leads the public outreach project The Place and the People. This seeks to improve communication between museums, archaeologists and university researchers, and local Egyptian communities. Fatma generously agreed to sit down with the podcast via Zoom to discuss the outreach project and her work in Egyptian heritage. It is my pleasure to welcome Fatma to the History of Egypt podcast. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, so Fatma, thank you very much for joining me and welcome to the History of Egypt podcast. Uh, thank you for the invitation, and uh, I'm uh, very happy to be with you uh, today, and uh, it's my first uh, podcast experience, so uh, it's exciting for me as well. Ah, well, we're excited to have you. <laughs> so you, you are currently in Cairo. How are things, how are things going in the capital? Uh, yeah, I'm in Cairo, uh, my hometown, and uh, yeah, things are... Um, I mean, we got used after three months, we got used to the lockdown situation uh, because of the COVID-19. And um, yeah, fine, like uh, locked at home and nothing, uh, nothing exciting, unfortunately. So uh, working at home <laughs> and everything is fine, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And you mentioned before the interview started that you are very soon to submit your PhD thesis at the Free University of Berlin. Exactly. Oof, that must be scary, and I'm very <laughs> grateful you're here at this at this particular time. Yeah, I mean it's fine. I mean it's. Um, I was a bit scared before, but now it, it got delayed uh, as well because of the current situation uh, everywhere in the world. Mm. So um, looking to the positive side, it uh, it calmed down my my uh, of being uh, worried in general. So. Uh, so yeah, let's mm. let's uh, look to the positive side. It's exciting and, and nervous at the same time. <laughs> and are your are your supervisors being helpful and uh, considerate at the moment with it? Uh, extremely, and I'm very grateful to them. Uh, I have two uh, supervisors, and uh, both of them are very supportive and uh, very considerate of the situation. And um, yeah, everything is going fine. Alhamdulillah. So. 
for those who uh, may not be familiar with your work um, through Twitter or Facebook, what is your PhD thesis studying? Uh, my PhD uh, looks at um, the open spaces at the settlements in, uh, of, from the late pre-dynastic to the um, end of the Middle Kingdom. And mm -hmm. uh, by open spaces, I mean, um, yeah, generally all the open spaces in the settlements, but uh, I focus on the streets and the open courtyards. And the, there is a reason mm -hmm. behind that because it's not um, an archaeological study only, it's uh, also uh, an ethno-archaeological study. So I, uh, I compare, um, not, not exactly I compare, but I study through the ethnographic record. Uh, so I have um, a modern uh, Nubian uh, settlement uh, in, uh, in Nubia, in Egypt. Um, uh, the, let's say the, the Egyptian part of Nubia, to be more specific. <laughs> Should we say uh, Wawa? Yes, exactly. And uh, okay. it's called uh, Biga. Uh, the village yeah. of Biga, and uh, there is um, there are the, the remains of a Nubian village of a modern Nubian village. Um, mm. That I'm where I'm studying the open courtyards and other open spaces, and I'm tracing uh, through the ethno-archaeological methodology um, the, the the common or the the persistent traditions of the space use. Mm. Wow, that sounds fascinating. And now that you are nearing nearing the nearing the finale of the project, mm. um, are you able to give us a hint at the sort of some of the broad conclusions you've discovered? Um, yeah. Uh, well, the, the main no pressure. <laughs> I can give you the very general uh, conclusion um, that uh, mm -hmm. the 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 continuity of the um, of the, the, the climate and uh, mm -hmm. the natural conditions in general um, have affected the continuity of the space use uh, in, in settlements in Egypt, for sure. Okay. We might imagine that this is very, uh, how to say, very, uh, how, yeah, we cannot imagine that this, this long uh, millennia of time uh, cannot uh, transfer this tradition of space use, but it did, of course, not exactly the same, but uh, the, the response of humans in general to the climate uh, and the natural conditions is not very different from time to time. So this is one of my broad uh, conclusions. So even though the climate has had some impact and changed some of the local patterns there are still very strong similarities in between the past and the present yeah there are there are especially uh, if we talk about the orientation of the houses or the orientation of the spaces uh to how to catch the the fresh breeze and all these uh, uh we call them vernacular traditions of architecture uh, mm. but they are in fact um very, um, we, we might imagine they are vernacular in the sense that they are just built by people who are not specialists or not architects, but mm. they are in, in fact very, very full of details uh, that are very specific and uh, very taken care of. Mm -hmm. Lots of practical knowledge rather than theoretical. 
Exactly, exactly. So this, this, I, I like this field a lot because it, it's part of showing us how the ancient Egyptians lived, not only how they died, as we we know mm. more about them. Both 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 sides of of uh, of their culture is important, but uh, I believe that at the moment we need to know more how they lived, you know, because we already have considerable amount of information of how they died. So uh, mm. so. I'm personally, as a researcher, more interested to know how they lived. So this is, yeah, this is one of the reasons why I, I study this topic. Oh, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. I will have to follow up with you on this because for my own, for my PhD research, I'm looking at New Kingdom settlements in the mm. north of Egypt, like Delta, Sinai, and oh, wow. uh, Eastern Libya. So I will absolutely have to be getting in touch with you again my very soon once you've submitted because i need to steal all of your knowledge <laughs> and re and reference this reference your work extensively because that sounds you know very like it connects very heavily with something i would like to do my pleasure yeah i hope it will make sense my 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 phd my own phd i hope it will make sense in the end <laughs> Inshallah. yeah um, yes that would be excellent because i'm only just finished my first year of study so if ah. i can benefit from your knowledge that would be wonderful <laughs> thank you so much i mean my pleasure great okay so fatima the reason i i reached out to you on twitter because of your project the place and the people which yeah. is uh, broadly speaking it started on facebook but it's an initiative that you have worked on for a number of years in specific parts of egypt and um specific projects what what is the place and the people as an initiative? Uh, the Place and the People is the, the channel through which I, uh, I can carry out my work and, and one of the, the work aspects that I enjoy and like the most, uh, which is community mm. engagement through uh, heritage outreach through community engagement. Mm. My, my experience in this field uh, started 13 years ago and by joining the projects where uh, there was uh, always a component of, uh, of communicating the archaeological uh, or the heritage knowledge to the local community mm -hmm. living uh, in the neighboring areas of the archaeological sites that we are studying or documenting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And through the throughout the years since uh, 2007, I got other chances uh, to to develop this uh, this uh, aspect of my work, and mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed it very much. And it started by only uh, giving like uh, sessions uh, to the local community uh, mm -hmm. at the archaeological site. At the time, it was in, in Sinai in Sarabit al Khedem and uh, only talking to the to them about um, what is this uh, temple and uh, why uh, why it's important and they share with us what they know about this uh, archaeological site and why it's important from their perspective and uh, then um, 2017 um, when i joined one of the most important projects i joined recently which is the Asyut region project of the british museum uh, an archaeological excavation in the in a village called the Shud, mm -hmm. um, directed by uh, Ilona Rigulski, and she she invited me and she invited other people as well to uh, to work on uh, on a community engagement aspect of of the of the project. Mm. 
because he was very interested to integrate the local community from the beginning. So it, it is the first excavation at this village. Mm. Even Petri <laughs> didn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> and or or any other early uh, archaeologist. Uh, so it was really the, the very first excavation that take, uh, takes place in this in this village. So it's something new for the community. So she needed mm. to integrate them in this in this uh, work and letting them understand why archaeologists from England are coming to excavate in their village in Upper Egypt. Mm. So together with her, uh, we we planned uh, some uh, different activities of different aspects, and uh, and from this moment, I I uh, I noticed that how how this work is very crucial and is very is getting uh, more professionals are noticing how it's important to to engage this work to mm. include this work mm-hmm. in their projects. Mm. Uh, so I decided. To uh, to uh, found my own uh, initiative, um, the place and the people, um, mm-hmm. and uh, to hire uh, a team <laughs> with mm-hmm. me to work. Uh, and it was through this project where I got to to meet uh, the other main uh, person in the place and the people. And uh, since then, uh, we uh, we decided to work together as a team. Uh, uh, and uh, look for more ideas and more projects to uh, communicate our knowledge in, uh, in heritage outreach. So this is how it developed, and it was we got the idea of founding this initiative. Mm, that's excellent. So moving forward, do you have like a clear a clear sort of goal or thing that you're aiming for with the project in terms of um, professional engagement and connecting with the community? Uh, yeah, we have many goals actually. Uh, we have um, so basically we try we're trying to uh, promote what uh, what is our expertise. What can we do? So that's why we are trying to uh, to have more uh, more activity at the moment on social media, on Twitter or on Facebook or on uh, Instagram. Mm. To let the people know about us and to uh, to uh, to let them know what is what is heritage outreach and and all of this. My goal is that we get the chance to uh, join more uh, more projects, more interesting projects, uh, not only in the aspect of uh, excavations and uh, and uh, joining uh, them to integ- to integrate the local community. Which is very mm-hmm. important to us and uh, the main our main expertise, but all, also through um, communicating uh, wider Egyptian audience uh, everywhere at uh, schools, at uh, museums, um, anywhere where we get the chance to uh, to communicate this uh, knowledge, so we can we can transfer the the heritage uh, and the, the history knowledge uh, through uh, entertaining and engaging ways. Mm. That sounds excellent. Thank you. We will be back with more of Fatma Keshk in a moment. But first, it's time for a quick break. See you soon. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And now part two of my conversation with Fatma Keshk. So you mentioned earlier that the the sort of your your involvement in the place and the people started particularly work from your work in the Sinai at Serbat al Kadim. Yes. So uh, looking through your CV, you've also published material based on the cultural heritage of this area and its relationship to the people who live there now. I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about uh, your experiences out in the Sinai and you know, meeting, communicating with the Bedouin and interacting with them in terms of the ancient sites and their relationship to those. Okay, so uh, my involvement in this uh, project was uh, through my previous uh, work at um, the Center of Documentation of Cultural and Natural Heritage, uh, which Mm -hmm. is part of the Library of Alexandria. Wow. And at the time, I was a researcher in this um, in this research center, and uh, this was one of our uh, documentation projects. It was called the documentation of the cultural heritage of the Bedouins of uh, South Sinai, and I was one uh, member of uh, of a team of different uh, professionals of different expertise, archaeologists. Uh, or uh, anthropologists as well, and uh, other people uh, who are specialists of uh, GIS, uh, Geographic Information System, or different mm-hmm. expertise. And um, we, we got there in the aim of, uh, of documenting the cultural heritage of the Sarabit al-Khedim area, where there mm-hmm. is uh, the remains of uh, of a temple dedicated to Hathor, mm-hmm. the lady of the turquoise, as they called it there. Mm-hmm. Her cult was uh, related to extracting the turquoise from the, the mountains of South Sinai. That's mm-hmm. why this is her her title in this area. And where the remains are date uh, since uh, the Old Kingdom until the, the end of the New Kingdom. Mm. We worked on, on two aspects. So the documentation of the archaeological site, taking photos as much as possible of all the archaeological remains, uh, making a 3D model of the temple, mm-hmm. and all, all documentation possible. And uh, at the same time, uh, communicating with the local community, or with all its uh, different uh, members, so uh, mm. the, the men, the women, uh, the children, and mm-hmm. for this reason, we designed different activities of engagement. So with the, with the men who uh, most of them worked as local guides for the, the tourists uh, who, mm. who came to visit uh, the archaeological site. Uh, the site is located at a height of 900 meters above sea level. So you have to climb for almost three hours to reach (laughs) the temple, yes, uh, in a very arid area. Uh, So you need the help of a local guide to reach this place, Uh, especially if you're not, uh, as like me, if you're not a hiker or uh, used to this this environment. And uh, we left a city kid. Exactly. (laughs) I am a pure city kid. So it was for me uh, really... uh, a very, a very interesting experience from all aspects. And, uh, 
and um, and the people by by this i meant to highlight how the people uh, of the community are already connected to this uh, important cultural heritage that they possess at, at the area mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they know the information um, by inheriting it through uh, generations Uh, mm. So they have to communicate information to the tourists. So they they tell they tell them broad information they know about what are uh, the remains there and why they are there and so on. Mm. And um, we uh, we know the, the the site as profession as especially Egyptologists of its um, mm. uh, historical importance. And they, they, we could, we can, of course, read hieroglyphs since we are Egyptologists. So we we share this knowledge with them. So they tell us what they know from their perspective, and we uh, we share with them what we know as Egyptologists. Hmm. So this created, Excellent. yeah, this uh, created a different narrative, as I like to say, a different narrative coming coming from an exchange of knowledge. Hmm. And out of curiosity, uh, what kinds of things did the did the locals add to your understanding or your colleagues' understanding about the site? Um, yeah, they they added to us this local aspect. So if you live there, if you grew up there, and uh, and uh, every day you see. Uh, signs for example let, let us speak about inscriptions because inscriptions are scattered everywhere around the mountain there so uh you could uh, you could see this this is a i'm i'm just explaining you for example the perspective of the kids sure uh this is a star or this is a, a lady sitting on a on a chair from their perspective or uh the different hieroglyphic signs And and uh, at the moment where we 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 try to explain that to them why the ancient Egyptian or as we as far as we know it uh, why did he choose these signs to to write his language for example so mm -hmm. we uh, we discovered that uh, the kids were very bright and they 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 uh, it was very easy for them to uh, to see to identify the hieroglyphs. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, it's not easy for anyone who has not uh, learned ancient Egyptian language in general or hieroglyphic uh, signs to ident mm. identify them when you show show these signs to uh, to uh, him or her. So they were mm. very bright, and uh, I for us this was very clear that uh, it is the impact of growing up in such a, such a place, very special place. That's excellent. I like the idea of children learning hieroglyphs young <laughs> yes and we we can get more of them into the field <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> so speaking of children as part of your work on the asyut region project you wrote a children's story called the tale of shuteb and uh, this is available online and i'll provide a link for listeners to go read it it's really beautiful and really lovely thank you how did How did this little, well, how did this project come about? And, you know, you know, how did you, how did you write it and decide on the story? 
So through the, the our engagement in the project as as a, a community archaeologist, if we can say, I planned with the director of the project different uh, activities for the local community. So we started by mm. uh, different workshops for different age uh, age groups. Mm. So uh, we started by uh, one for for the youth, 13 to 20 years old. Uh, to say a group of uh, 20 of uh, 20 participants uh, to get their uh, to get them learn how to uh, document the heritage they have in their village and to uh, to make a flyer out of it or a little brochure uh, to if we imagine that there are visitors coming to visit the site and we want to show them uh, let's say uh, a brochure or a, or a flyer map or something like this. So th- this was our mm-hmm. first workshop there uh, over five days. And then mm-hmm. later we, uh, two or three months later, we got another w- uh, workshop with the younger children. So from seven to 10 years old mm-hmm. to, uh, to design, uh, to draw a, a, a graffiti, a painting on the wall coming mm-hmm. out from the heritage of their uh, village as well. So, mm-hmm. but to make this possible, we gave them uh, uh, introduction about the, the drawing, uh, the colors, uh, what are the, the different degrees of the colors, how to mix the colors and to make it more engaging for kids of this young age. Uh, and communicating to them different information about heritage as well. So from this encounter with the, the youngest uh, groups of the community, uh, we, we saw how engaged they are and how interested and, and extremely curious to know more and to, uh, and they, they, they didn't ask, they didn't let us go home almost <laughs> because they were enjoying, <laughs> they were enjoying uh, extremely much uh, our time, uh, their time with us. Uh, and which made us extremely uh, uh, happy uh, with this engagement and uh, made us thinking of more activities for them. So the idea of the story came out of this interest of uh, of this young group of the community. Um, Mm. So we decided to to, uh, produce something uh, engaging and entertaining for them at the same time. At this point, there was uh, already data coming from the research of the project. So archaeological data and also um, architectural data because there was a team of uh, architects uh, making a documentation of houses of the 19th century uh, of the village. Mm. So the modern architecture of the village. And Mm. uh, these houses have uh, special vernacular uh, architecture uh, style. And there was a team also uh, documenting the the social aspect of the village. So what are, for example, uh, what they know about these houses, uh, about the the, the different uh, uh, history, phases of history of this village. Uh, if there are um, traditional uh, stories that are being told about the history of the village or not. And this was a very important aspect uh, in, in uh, Shudb 
because uh, should mm -hmm. uh, the people know that there is archaeology in this village, <laughs> there is an archaeological site. So all mm -hmm. the, ta the not tales, but uh, how to say the, the um, we, we can even traditional. call them traditional, yes, traditional uh, yani, uh, um, myths, <laughs> you can say this. Like folklore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so they're not... Uh, because they have a lot of uh, fiction in them, so uh, mm -hmm. so how to say uh, they are told through generations about the, the about should, mm. and we decided that how to say to make use of all of this uh, wealth of heritage, if we can call. So you have uh, many different aspects of things that you cannot that you can make use of and make interesting use of this the, so this mm. is how i came out with the idea of the story I, and suggested it to the to the director of the project uh, she welcomed the idea and uh, we worked together to uh, make it happen and to write the story i i started writing it uh, she uh, revised it uh, we have a special artist uh, from asyut from the region uh, to draw mm. it later so it was also um, an interesting and successful uh, teamwork. Excellent. Um, yes, the story is the story is quite lovely, and I will share it around with people. Thank you. So, will you be returning to Shut, or is this was this the end of your involvement for now? Uh, yes, we have a plan to uh, return. Uh, Great. Not very soon, but uh, not be. Sure. But it is planned. Um, I mean, as soon as how to say, we plan the details of our next involvement involvement in this project. Mm. So because the project will still will still run anyway, uh, but sure. we are still in the phase of, uh, of of planning what what will be our next involvement in the community engagement aspect. Fair mm. enough. That sounds exciting. We will return with part three of the interview in just a moment. Hello listeners, Dominic here. If you follow the show on social media, you probably know what I'm about to say. If not, well, here is some news. The History of Egypt podcast has merchandise. We have a variety of designs created by my partner available on tpublic.com. They are based on ancient Egyptian imagery with a contemporary flavor. So, they are authentic, but also stylish. Our designs come on a variety of products, including t-shirts, sweaters, masks, coffee mugs, notebooks, stickers, posters, and more. They are available in various sizes, colors, formats, and all of that good jazz. So, you can get the design you want in the way you want. If you are in the mood for something holiday-themed, check out our Hebu Neferu Happy Holidays design. Adapted from an image of Akhenaten, this holiday-themed style features the king of Egypt as a sphinx, holding a present in front of a pyramid. It is a charming and delightful design, and a wondrous addition to the store. Follow the links in the episode description to learn more about History of Egypt podcast merchandise. Thanks! And now, part three of the interview. So I'd like to quickly turn now to your career as an Egyptologist. So what actually drew you into the field originally and made you decide this was what you wanted to do? 
I was interested in uh, in history in general, in the in the in the history of Egypt in general, and uh, I um, I saw uh, that that uh, one of the most interesting aspects of uh, of Egypt as a as a place is its history and its heritage, uh, right. um, and uh, I. I was attracted to it, uh, and mm. I was very curious to know why we, why do we have all of these monuments around and all of this <laughs> history <laughs> and all yeah. and all of these things. So it was out of curiosity uh, in the first place, and uh, and also uh, out of uh, how to say. Um, um, it it was uh, how to say I was admiring what archaeologists do in general that mm. they are uh, exploring different places around and uh, and uh, and not not only staying in one place so this was the 17 years old me so uh, i wanted to go around and explore different mm. places uh, so it was also uh, a very uh, how to say naive uh, perspective <laughs> And uh, but with, which turned out to be uh, to be also interesting, of course, and mm. um, and uh, yeah, and uh, when I started the, my first year in Egyptology, I found out that uh, what Egypt, uh, ancient Egypt, as we studied as uh, in the Egyptology field, is completely different than what we know as. Uh, as an Egyptian kid living in Cairo mm. and studying the, the history curricula, we we only know like less than five percent what we learn at school or what we get to know from visiting museums or or any archaeological mm. site. So uh, so this pushed me more to uh, to explore more and to study it more. That's good. So you have worked in multiple places around Egypt. I was wondering if you had a particular favorite experience in the field so far. There are many, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, and I'm, I'm very grateful for this. And uh, but my my very uh, own attachment as an Egyptologist, as an, as an archaeologist goes to the Aswan region. Hmm. Okay. Because this is where I uh, I developed my uh, my my expertise or my skills as a field archaeologist, mm. and uh, I I discovered the the, the overwhelming wealth of uh, of uh, of archaeology or heritage in Egypt in general. So uh, in Aswan, I joined the the Elephantine excavation in two thousand eight. Wow. Uh, and uh, it, it was not my first excavation. I, I, I before already I worked in Saara and the Buto, mm -hmm. but it was uh, maybe at that time the longest time that where I got to stay uh, as a as a young, uh, fresh graduate at the time, mm. and uh, to develop my my uh, my archaeological skills as a field archaeologist. Mm -hmm. And from Elephantine, I got to uh, to meet uh, people uh, from other uh, archaeological projects in the region, mm -hmm. uh, in Aswan as well. 
uh, and later I got the chance to work with these people in other uh, projects. So I worked on um, on on a place, uh, a very important uh, place, which is not an, <laughs> an ancient Egyptian <laughs> monument, but uh, this time an Islamic uh, monument, mm-hmm. um, the Fatimid Cemetery of Aswan. Ooh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, I worked there for two years mm-hmm. and um, as archaeologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, and from the Fatimid Cemetery of Aswan, later I joined the, the bigger project uh, for the documentation of the architectural uh, uh, heritage, uh, the modern Nubian architecture of the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That's why I have a very special attachment to the Aswan region mm. because uh, because I got the chance to uh, to go from ancient Egypt to the other uh, time periods of uh, of uh, of Egypt. It's it's really like a history book mm. uh, when when you get the chance to uh, not only visit but to also work at these sites. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So um, my my most uh, important attachment as a professional goes to this uh, region. Fair enough. It is a, it is a special place, and that sounds very. <laughs> that sounds like it's shaped yeah. shaped your research interests and professional relationships yeah. in many ways. It really did. Yes. Hmm. That's great. So, your future projects right now, I'm guessing, finish the PhD and then continue developing the place and the people yes exactly and um, i'm trying at the moment to do both at the same time which (laughs) is a bit complicated but uh, yeah since we are staying at home so there are there's plenty of time to uh, to make use of absolutely and uh and uh so yes my plan is to submit my uh, my thesis and uh, to focus on the development of the place and the people as an entity, as an independent entity, um, um, and its uh, its own projects and its own ideas, and um, and our other involvement with other uh, projects and institutions. Excellent. So that brings me to the end of my questions, but I do have one more, and this is a question that I ask everybody who comes on the show and it sort of gives an idea of um, personality and interests and the question is if you could answer or solve one problem or question from Egyptian history if you could find the answer to one particular topic just one what would you choose and why I really like the question, <laughs> although it's a very difficult one. <laughs> Everybody says that. <laughs> um, and I never thought about it, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Take your time. Um, if you need yeah, I. Um, well, as uh, as I, I uh, told you, I study uh, settlements, and I'm more interested mm-hmm. in the in the urban life of sure. inch, of ancient Egyptian. I um, I would like to find out uh, more and to uh, to um, find out as 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 a researcher first uh, mm-hmm. how they how they lived in different environments. So because mm-hmm. what we know at the moment is uh, is very little and um, mm-hmm. not not specific enough. Sure. 
and then uh, to be able to deliver this to the wider uh, professional community or the wider audience. Mm. Fair enough. That's pretty close to what I would choose as well. So, <laughs> Great. <good answer. laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what I'll, what I'll do now is I will do the, the sort of fake goodbye and thank you. And then um, stick around after that. We'll, we'll finish up the conversation so that also the website can download the audio files for this. Um, so, yeah, I'll do, the fake, I'll do the fake thank you and goodbye, but uh, don't hang up straight away if that's okay. Okay. Cool. So, Fatma Keshek, thank you very much for coming on the History of Egypt podcast and for answering our questions. Uh, thank you so much for having me uh, today, and uh, I enjoyed very much um, talking to you and uh, our conversation. And uh, it's a great chance to uh, to have this uh, podcast uh, on your website. Uh, and uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, and good luck with your PhD. And I hope you'll consider coming on the podcast again to talk about your specific research on settlements at a future date when you are perhaps more ready to talk about the project. Thank you so much. And uh, my pleasure, of course, I will be happy to talk about it when it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much and thank good luck. You. Thank you. My thanks to Fatma for joining the show for this discussion. If you enjoyed hearing about Fatma's projects, follow the links in the episode description to learn more about the place and the people, and outreach projects associated with it. That's all from me. I'll see you soon. Take care, and may the gods bless you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.